Knowing the plan is foundational. How many of you know there are a lot of people who attend church worship celebrations from time to time and they don't have a clue what the plan is? Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on and tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to jump right into a brand new teaching. We've just concluded a series, and we're going to jump into this one. And we've titled, How to Bring the Walls Down. How to Bring the Walls Down. It's based out of Joshua chapter 6, and I'm going to read a little bit of that for you here in just a moment. Excuse me. Now let me tell you, uh, we had a little bit of a technical glitch. In fact, we have uh, installed some new cameras at New Life, and we've been working feverishly to work all the bugs out of that. And let me tell you, it's not as easy as it sounds. So while we missed a little bit of the front end of this teaching, we're going to jump into it after the first study note. And for those of you that keep up with that sort of thing, you'll realize that the introduction just kind of disappeared. But what I'm going to begin with is this. I want you to know and understand that the blessings of God do not just happen. They do not just happen. They have to be pursued. And that's what we're going to be talking about and how that is pursued. I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about a lifestyle of works where you earn your salvation or you even earn the blessings. But what we want you to see is you have to be at the right place at the right time, the right frame of mind, pursuing things according to the Word of God. We're going to jump right on into that very shortly. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. And verse number 2, and the record puts it this way. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Pray with me. Father, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity I have to come before this audience by whatever means and to bring to them your word. I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind the word and that your word would ring preeminent in their hearts and their minds and that they would learn of you. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray, and we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on as we learn how to bring the walls down, and I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. His promises of blessing and reward do not just happen. It doesn't just happen. You're walking along and it just falls all over you. It doesn't just happen. Watch this. It must be sought after. It must be pursued and then it must be taken. I've shared this with you humpteen times. Somebody tell me what I have in my hand. An ink pen, a very fine ink pen, I might add. And I really like my ink pen. It's helped me write a lot of sermons over the, the days and uh, paid big money for this, 350 I don't just throw money away like that for nothing. But I'm going to give you this pen, okay? It's yours. 
The question I have for you is, do you have it? Well, why not? I gave it to you. You didn't take it. I did give it to you. You didn't take it. Now, just stop right there. We could go on and on and on with this. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. God has promised blessings and rewards, but it doesn't just fall on you. You have to pursue it. You have to go get it. You have to take it. This requires patient. Everybody say patient. Persistent faith on behalf of the promise recipients. That was true for ancient Israel. It is true for the New Testament, you. Now watch, there are some people wandering around today like, Pastor Terry, you always talk about being blessed. I hadn't had one of them their blessings. Maybe I just explained to you why. Just maybe. Now, this reminds me of several verses in the Word of God. I pulled out six or seven of them here, maybe a few more. I want to read these to you very quickly. It's just a, a representation of the many verses that are in the Bible. But listen to this. See if you can pick up on this theme. First from Deuteronomy over in the Pentateuch, the Old Covenant, chapter 4, verse 29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. The psalmist put it this way in chapter 105, verse 4. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. The prophet Isaiah, was, it was given to him this way, and he penned these words. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 Foundational verse for me, but it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You notice the order there? Luke, the gospel writer, gives this to us in chapter 11 and verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Lastly, Acts chapter 17 and verse 27 really kind of pulls all this together nice and it says this, God did this so that men would seek him, say it with me church, seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, watch this, I love this, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, here's the point. Don't just sit like a bump on a log. But use what God gave you to go get what God already promised you. Are you with me? Use what God gave you and go get what he's already promised you. Now, I'm back in our text passage, Joshua chapter 6. Look at verse 2. See if we can flesh this out a little bit. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Fill in number 2 with me, if you would, please. Victory was promised in advance. Do you see that? Victory was promised in advance, but it was not dumped into their lap. Am I right? Yeah, it's as though God is saying, hey, I've promised you, 
but you must pursue the promise in order to obtain the promise or the reward. Now, beloved, at that point, God laid out the plan of pursuit for Joshua. And once again, Joshua conveyed the plan to his fellow man. You understand this? We talked about this a lot last week. God spoke to Joshua. Joshua speaks to the people. And the people did what Joshua said that God said. So in essence, they're doing what God said. Now watch this. God always has a plan. Did you know that? He does. Can't you just imagine God waking up this morning? <sighs> oh, sup, Jesus? What are we going to do today? I cannot imagine that. First of all, God doesn't sleep nor slumber. Aren't you glad you aren't God? I are. God always has a plan. He is always at work around you, whether you acknowledge it or not. So, this doesn't catch me off guard when I read what I'm about to read from Joshua chapter 6. Look at this again, verse 3. March around the city. This is the plan. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark on the seventh day. March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Verse 5. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a shout. Then the wall of the city will what, church? It'll collapse, and all the people will go up. Do you remember that picture I showed you a while ago of Jericho? How many of you know it makes sense when he says they will go up? They had to go up to get into the city. They will go up. The Word of God is so detailed if you look for it. Every man straight in. Now watch. This plan was amazingly simple. It really is. It's amazingly simple. And yet, from my perspective, mystifyingly naive. Now, Pastor T, are you saying God's naive? No. I said, from my perspective, this plan is mystifyingly naive. Uh, here is audience participation time. How many of you know that a wall will not fall down when you just merely holler at it? Come on, let's try it. If you're on this side, look at that wall. If you're on this side, look at that wall. Let's try it right now. Go ahead, holler at it. Ah! I thank God that didn't work. <laughs> Are you with me? You know I'm telling you the truth. A wall doesn't just fall down because you holler at it. So as stoked as these folks were from their monumental trek across the dry Jordan. We preached about that a week or so ago. There had to be some sentiment, at the very least some, a fleeting thought on behalf of some when they heard this from Joshua like, no way, get out of here. This marching thing, that's pretty cool. We've been marching for 40 years, but you want us to scream at these walls? By the same token, I took you there to tell you this. I want you to know it was not, everybody say not, it was not the hollering that would topple the wall. 
for years I was led to believe that it was. It was not the hollering that would topple the wall, but the hollering would, watch this, give God the green light to fulfill the task. Are you with me? Number three on your study notes, beloved, the hollering was an act of faithful obedience. Now, how many of you know that just a few moments ago, I tried to get you to act this out, and some of you hollered at that wall, some of you hollered at that wall, some of you sat there like a bump on a log. I ain't hollering at that wall. I don't take that personal. Very few people do what I ask them to do. That's cool. The hollering was an act of faithful obedience. Watch this. It was a, it was the key component. It was the key component. Now, let me insert right here. This is a bit of a parenthesis, but stick with me. Joshua and the army or armies of, of Israel did not fight the Jericonians, the folks that lived in Jericho. How you like that? The Jericonians. <laughs> you probably went to school with some of them. They did not fight the Jericonians. What they did do is they obeyed God and God miraculously intervened and God fought the fight. Are you mopping up what I'm spilling? There's a subliminal message in all of this. Now watch this. God's will for Joshua and Israel involved three components. How many? Three, not one. Not five, but three. Here it is. Follow me on this. There was a plan, there was obedience, and there's a blessing. Now, here's a teaching point for you. Notice it wasn't two parts, a plan and a blessing. But there was something between the plan and the blessing. What was it, church? Obedience. obedience. The plan, obedience, the blessing. Likewise, God's will for our lives, for your life, involves three components. There's God's plan, which is conveniently given to us and outlined in specific detail in his word, the Bible. There is the plan, there is our role, which is obedience, and then there's the blessing or the reward. Isn't that simple? Very simple. Now, this is a good place for me to ask, how did Joshua arrive at God's plan? How did Joshua know what God wanted him to do? By the way, people ask me this all the time, and it kind of freaks some people out. It's like, does God talk to you? He talks to you too. Can you read? If you can't, they even have Bible on. I started to say cassette. I don't, or eight tracks. Some digital, digitized. You, you see where I'm going with all that? Yeah, God speaks to us primarily through his word, and we've been given Holy Spirit to dwell within, not outside, but inside. Yeah, we hear from him, but people want to know all the time. How, how do we hear from the Lord? How do you know? Well, where did Joshua get the plan? I have to go back to chapter 5 to find that out. 
in verse 13. Look there with me. If you're in chapter 6, you won't have to go very far. If my math serves me correctly, you won't have to go far at all. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. You see what's going on? Joshua's walking along near Jericho. Here's this dude with a drawn sword. Now, what would you think? I would think, this ain't good. <laughs> Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Verse 14 is very interesting. Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, this is an angelic army that he's talking about he says I have now come then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him look at this what messages plural does my Lord have for his servant verse 15 the commander of the Lord's army replied here it goes take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy and Joshua did so and then he went on to express this plan to him now listen to me it, this is a little parenthesis beloved this could be the way Joshua received all of the instructions that he received but the Bible doesn't necessarily outline it that way but uh, typically that's what happens the word tells us something and you just kind of assumed until it tells you something different does that make sense all righty so number four on your study notes Joshua's mission Joshua's mission convened with a vision for us, we may just re refer to it generically as prayer. And again, we have Holy Spirit dwelling within to assist and to help us with these things. So watch this, church. Knowing the plan is foundational. How many of you know there are a lot of people who attend church worship celebrations from time to time, and they don't have a clue what the plan is? How are you going to do the plan if you don't know what the plan is? Knowing the plan is foundational, and it is discerned prayerfully by studying the Word of God. If you do not read your Bible, you will not know what the plan is. Hmm? Now, I'm trying to beat you up. I'm trying to build you up. But, uh, you know, sometimes after you tell somebody something 529,000 times and they're still not doing it, then it's hard to be gracious. But you need to read the Word of God in order to understand it and read it prayerfully. And it, it looks like this. For God so loved the world. Lord, what does that mean? Speak to me, Father. That he gave his only begotten Son. Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? Speak to me. Are you with me? It's not complicated. Not complicated at all. It's discerned by a prayerful study of the Word. Go with me back to the Old Testament book of Hosea. Hosea, one of the prophets uh, under the Old Covenant, gives us this. And this is the God's Word translation, a newer version. It says it this way, I will destroy my people because they are ignorant. Hmm. How many of you know ignorance ain't funny? I will destroy my people because they are ignorant. You have refused to learn. 
So I will refuse to let you be my priest. The new covenant ramifications of that are huge. You have forgotten the teachings of your God, so I will forget your children. Isn't it amazing today how everybody wants their children to have better? I'm doing this for my children. I have this in my house for my children. We go here for our children. And yet the one thing that we fail to do for our children is to hold the word of God up before them. Lord, have mercy. Knowing the plan is foundational. It is experienced by faithful obedience to what we know. No exceptions. It's rewarded accordingly. Now, remember, Jericho is a type of the world. God had not purposed for Israel to embrace or to mimic or to covet or to rezone or remodel or refurnish Jericho. But rather, God had purposed for Israel to destroy Jericho. Actually, with a curse pronounced upon anybody that would try to build it back, and somebody did. His name was Heil. And as a result of that, his two sons were killed as a result of him trying to do what God said he shouldn't do. Hmm. God's strategy to conquer the city of Jericho was very unique. It was unique in two ways. I'm headed to number five on your study notes. First of all, the strategy was laid out by God himself. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The strategy was laid out by God himself. And secondly, the strategy was a seemingly naive plan, again, from a human perspective and experience. One author has commented on this alike this, and I quote, In biblical times, such cities as Jericho would have been taken by assault or surrounded until basically the occupants were starved into submission. Typically, the aggressors would attempt to weaken the fortress walls with fire or perhaps tunneling under or even heaping up dirt and rocks to serve as a siege ramp. I told you that to tell you this. Each of these methods, each of these methods could take weeks. It could take months, and the aggravating army would likely suffer heavy losses. Now, let me give you just a little bit more background, and we're going to roll on. For whatever reason, the account of the book of Joshua, chapter 6, is basically given in several different segments. If you've read it recently, you know I'm telling you the truth. The entire plan as presented to Joshua isn't given in one chronological sequence. Now, people like myself who are chronological kind of drives us nuts. But listen, by doing just a little bit of homework, we can piece it all together very nicely. Suffice it to say, after hours of homework, I'm just distilling this for you this morning, some Israelites were ordered to march around Jericho. There was a unique order. There was a systematic approach to this march. It was not a simple one-lap, one-time event. Stay with me, church. It was on this order. There was a parade, for a lack of a better term. There was a parade consisting of the warriors. Everybody say warriors. 
The seven priests blowing the ram's horn, trumpets, everybody blow. There was the ark or the chest of the covenant. We spent a lot of time last week talking about that. And the mercy seat, the lid. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's a little bit more to this, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you on the next edition of New Life. But let me wrap it up tonight by asking you this. And I realize this is kind of a difficult time of the year to even think about these things, the Christmas season, the holiday season. But are there some things that God has outlined in His Word and has specified that we should not embrace those things, we should get rid of them, and you find yourself embracing them? God said, destroy it, get it out of your life, and you continue to embrace it. Isn't it difficult to look around, especially in the United States of America, with all the good things we have, and they are good things, but perhaps not God things. It's difficult to look around and not want to go after those things, in particular when your neighbors, even some of our church neighbors, are telling us that it's important to pursue those material things and even trying to convince us that the pursuit of material things or the acquiring of material things is really what God has purposed for us. Well, God has purposed blessings and designed blessings for us, but those blessings are seldom in the form of something material. Uh, material things are just tools to accomplish God's purpose. Let me remind you, God, God's purpose and design is that we are born again, spirit-filled, and then that we in, are engaged in the discipleship process, which means that we are forever trying to reach out to others. That's why I'm here right now. I'm not here to entertain you, and I know for a fact that the new life isn't very entertaining, but we're here to share with you the Word of God and encourage you to get a hold of it, to embrace that and live that out as opposed to the things around us. Hey, if you've never been born again, you may not even know what I'm talking about. It's Bible language, John chapter 3. If you've never been born again, filled with the Spirit, that's the most important thing you will ever do, whether it's during this season or some other season of life. That, beloved, is how we can know that we are in receipt or stand to be in receipt of an eternity with God in His heaven. A lot of people who, who are good people want to talk about going to heaven, but they don't know and understand, or they refuse to know and understand God's way of coming to Him. It's only through Christ Jesus, only through Christ. Pastor Terry, that's very narrow-minded. No, that's very Bible-minded. And I want to encourage you to get a hold of it and to know of this truth for certainty. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray that your word will and has penetrated the hearts of each one. Lord, I pray for that one out there that may be listening. They've been searching. They know they're empty. They have the things on the outside of this world, but something inside is missing. May they know and understand that missing link is you and that you've purposed for them to come to you by a born-again experience. Draw them, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's very, very important for me to continue to encourage you to be involved in the gathering, the coming together of the body of Christ. We just know that simply as church. So I encourage you, do not use this method or any other method as an excuse for failing to come together. New Life has a morning worship celebration each and every Sunday morning. We begin at 10 o'clock. We'd love to see you. In fact, 
Uh, it's just been amazing the number of uh, visitors, newcomers that we've had recently who've joined with us, and we look forward to even more in the days to come. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. I'm Terry Knighton, a pastor of New Life Community Church. I'm wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? Mm -hmm.